Welcome to the Thunderstock Show, a collection of valuable brainstorms to enhance your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. I'm your host, Ross Stockdale. Today's special guest is Elsie the Mayor. Elsie D. How do you say your last name? Flanard? Flanard. I got it right. <laughs> how you doing today, man? I am fantastic. I'm I'm recovering from suffering some snow, but otherwise I'm good. <laughs> snow out in Wisconsin. I would never have guessed. Just kidding. <laughs> So Elsie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I will say off off air, uh, we went over Elsie's background, one of the most articulate bios. So huge thanks to that. Can't wait for him to share his uh, background for everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. Without rambling for 50 minutes about myself, um, I am a um, entrepreneur, podcaster, um, and singer-songwriter. I grew up in a super duper small town of Mounds, Illinois, uh, born in Chicago, um, moved down there when my mom and dad divorced. I was, I was around five or six years old. Uh, when I say small, I mean no stoplights, one grocery store, one gas station small. Everybody knows everybody small. You speak to the same person multiple times a day small. <laughs> so that was my upbringing. It, you know, it was really cool to be able to just... Uh, to be a kid and, and to experience the, the joys of life, uh, played basketball in high school, ran cross country um, and got into music early, at an early age. Um, and technically, Ross, I am professional because people have paid me U.S. dollars to sing and perform. Uh, so matriculated, went to college, got a degree in electronics, was an engineer for a little bit. Um, I was a janitor for a little bit. I cleaned the bottom of barges uh, during the summer when I was, uh, you know, kind of figuring things out. So I've done a lot of different things over the years, um, trying to kind of trying to find, you know, my jam and what makes me unique and different and special. And um, it ironically landed on podcasting and helping entrepreneurs use their voice to grow revenue and to broadcast uh, their mission and, and how they're impacting the world because I believe that entrepreneurs um, are here to solve the world's problems. I just I just believe that. And so and so that's what I do. I help entrepreneurs uh, in two ways with self-mastery because it's literally impossible for you to show up as your best self until you first know yourself. And so I, I do a lot of work with helping entrepreneurs understand who they are, but more importantly who they are not so mm. that they can be focused and really at the top uh, top of their game so that they can serve others well. So it's not so they can be better for them, so that they can be better for other people. And the other way I help them is, um, once they figure that out, is to help them with their message. How do you get what you do, who you do it for, why you do it, and how you do it out there to the masses so everybody knows what you do and they can benefit from your power as well. And we do that through podcasting. So um, I run a company called Podcast Town, where that is the sort of the platform to uh, to do that. So helping entrepreneurs in two ways, mastering themselves and um, helping them get their message out there through podcasting. I want to ask a couple follow-up questions. So paid to do singer songwriter performing, what kind of music do you, do you create and what are your influences? So in my early days, you may not believe me, Ross, but I was a, I was a rapper. Um, okay. I'm going to date myself a little bit uh, when I say this, but I used to love to listen to Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, so oh, I, yeah. I was the kid that 
I knew first what of the month. Like I knew what they were saying because I would take the cassette. Again, I'm giving away my age here. Mm -hmm. I'll take the cassette and then I would rewind it and I would practice their the cadence and the rhythms. And so I was I was a I was I was a rapper. That's what I did. Um, but then when I um I got older, I discovered that I could hold a tune a little bit. And so I started to sing some some R and B, and then later I sung some uh some gospel. And so I have this really cool mix of um I could create really cool uh rap. But I could also take you to church and do and do gospel. It, it reminds well. me of Jelly Roll a little yeah. bit, but a little bit, you know, you know, because it's that it's that range. I love that, and also yeah. I'm a big Bone Thugs fan. Oh yeah, fifth fifth grade, same thing. You know, some of my friends from uh, playing football and neighborhood friends, we'd we get the cassette player, we get the the Bone Thugs, we get you know Nas's first albums, and we would do the same thing, play the cassettes till they broke. <laughs> cool man. Um, another question I had for you based on that is, you know, I can relate to doing the jobs while you're figuring things out. And honestly, some of the worst jobs I had, like I worked in, in a food processing plant. I worked in, uh, you know, I worked as a, a waiter in a diner. I worked different jobs that, you know, after I had my college degree, I looked at it as like my reflection points. And, and one of the things that was great, what you said about helping entrepreneurs is figuring out who they're not. Um, those jobs helped me figure out that I need to make a, a big change and who I was not, who I didn't want to be in the future, you know, who I'm not right now. What did, you know, being a janitor, how did that shape your trajectory? What did you kind of learn from that experience? For me, it, it really helped level set. Like I knew, and, and there's nothing wrong with being a janitor, right? Mm -hmm. But it helped me to identify that it wasn't right for me. Um, but the other thing is it, it gave me a, a really cool sense of, of both um, humility and, and pride, because at the end of the day, my job is to support my family and to and to be and to take care of them. And so if that's what I needed to do, that's what I needed to do. So it really gave me a sense of of accomplishment that way. Um, again, but it also it, it revealed to me that um, that I wasn't where I wanted to be yet. And mm -hmm. that was OK. And it, it, it helped me kind of take a step back and say, OK, I'm not where I want to be today. But what steps do I need to take to get there? Like what what's the next action um, and then the next action? And then how do I build on that to to take steps to to get where I want to go? Because a lot of times people try to take these big leaps mm. when really it's the small steps. It's the, it's the, the incremental uh, improvements that really add up in the long run. So that sort of gave you a growth, a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset of, Hey, tomorrow and the next day don't have to be the same as today. We can take these baby steps. We can do a good, we can do a good job with the mission in mind and get to where we ultimately want to be. And what, what got you set on, uh, getting into the podcast town in that whole that whole world. Yeah, th there are two things, Ross, when I was um, about 13, 14 years old that I knew I wanted. I wanted a family um, because growing up, I didn't have the one that I thought I deserved. And I knew I wanted to own my own business. I, mm -hmm. I knew those two things. I didn't know how either of those things were going to happen, but I knew that's what I wanted. And so in my 13 year old mind, it's like, okay, well, I know I need to go to college. It's, it's, it's something that my mom, you know, is very important to her. And so I ended up going into electronics because I felt that that would be a solid career that I could do 
until I could, you know, do my own thing. So I knew mm-hmm. I needed a, you know, a job and a career to support my wife because I knew I wanted one. Um, so I did that. Um, and I was also doing side hustles literally the whole time. I've never had just one thing. It was always a job, day job, side hustle. And so I was always going out singing, doing performances. And um, I had a production company at one point. I owned a minor league basketball team at one what? point. And so I was always doing these side gigs and I just, nothing was working. I couldn't figure out how to get those side hustles to make enough money to quit my day job. And I started to think, I'm like, you know, I can't do this for another 10 years. You know, um, I'm not getting any younger and this mm. is just not working. And so I said, I, I need to do something different. Um, I said, I think I want to, I want to get around business owners because they have something figured out that, that I haven't gotten figured out. Um, but I knew I didn't, I didn't have access to many business owners and I did, I couldn't just call them and say, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Business owner, let me pick your brain. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll start a podcast and I'll ask them the questions that I want to know in order to grow you know, out of this situation. And so that's what I did. I, I, st- I started my podcast and I, I started asking them questions about operations. I started asking them questions about marketing, about sales, about mindset, about all the things that I needed to know. Um, and eventually I learned enough to make enough um, my, my side hustle to, to quit my day job. And, and here we are today. I love that approach where you grew the passion, the side hustle, and got it to valuable enough where it could replace the day job. That is just like, because you're providing a value to the business owners by getting them to express what they already know and reveal it and share it and make it known to others. But you're, you're the other, like you're like the audience is, Hey, I'm listening to you. Sometimes a lot of business owners just need someone to listen. And that really helped catapult you in your journey for self mastery. It sounds like. For sure. For sure. Because I, it, it really honed my ability to, to your point, to listen and to understand how to read between the lines. Because if you talk to somebody long enough, you'll you'll be able to pick up what they're saying, but you'll also be able to pick up what they're not saying. Things like body language, tone, inflection, um, how comfortable are they? Things like that, that really helped me to be able to sell. Because those are all things that you need to understand how to do. You need to learn how to listen. Um, if you're on a sales call and you're talking more than you listen, probably not a good sales call. <laughs> so, so it really honed my and developed my skills as an entrepreneur, just going through the process of selecting guests, um, getting them on the show, making them feel comfortable, promoting their business. It really gave me the, the foundational skills to do what I'm doing now. How much do you think your music career of listening and then listening some more and then listening to the finer, you know, the rhythm and then the the range and the the content. Does that translate to your podcasting? Because it sounds like what what I'm hearing is is just resonating that so much of communication is not the words you say, it's how you say it and and the emotion behind it and the not only how you say it but, you know, um how you feel when you say it. So do, do you find a huge correlation between the music and the podcasting or how does that work for you? It, it's almost a direct correlation because as, as a, as a songwriter, you, it, it's really about emotion. It's really about connection and it's really about taking people to a place and a time. Um, for example, when I mentioned bone thugs and harmony, 
it takes you to a place and a time where you were when you first heard that song, right? And and mm-hmm. how it made you feel when you heard the lyrics or saw the video or gone went to the concert. So podcasting is exactly the same. It takes you to a place and a time. Um, I, I'll give you an example. I remember when I was doing research on, on podcasting and I ran across uh, John Lee Dumas's podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, changed the trajectory of my entire career. I, I turned it on and this, this guy pops on with this high energy and he gets right to the point, conducts the interview. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And so s- similar to music, it's like you, you get the opportunity to capture uh, that moment, that feeling, that emotion, um, and it, 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 it impacts people forever. And so that's the thing that I really love about it is because they're so closely related. I love how when you learn one skill, you develop mastery in one skill, the lessons learned of that mastery development apply to all skills. Like there's universal principle. If I was to relate what you're talking about and I'm kind of getting goosebumps thinking about it, it's like when I, you know, I was a wrestler growing up, played football, rugby, we'd get, you know, I was a karate kid and seven years old to 10 years old going around doing these like, you know, touch karate sparring tournaments. So that shaped me growing up where it was like, all right, you know, my mom's French Canadian. My, my family is, you know, right near George St. Pierre. He was a big UFC guy when I was growing up and then to date myself and then Conor McGregor, I started doing, uh, you know, cage fighting right before Conor McGregor's UFC debut. And, you know, I'm a little Irish, had the beard, you know, my small town, I got stopped like, Hey, is that Conor McGregor, you know, growing up. So my point is, is like, one of my kickboxing instructors, I'll never forget, says you build a rhythm and break it, you know? So like what you're saying is, yeah, if you just have the same tone and the boring inflection and blah, 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 no one's going to listen to you. And you're probably, and from kickboxing, you're not going to land, but it's like, all right, you have this and then boom, the beat drops or, you know, you you have something that gets their attention you get, gets them excited, gets that emotional connection uh, through mastery. Now, I want to, you know, kind of pivot and say, so you also wrote a book called flame starter. How much did that title come from that podcast? Was there any inspiration or tell me about flame starter? Yeah. So it was kind of the reverse. So the book um, is about a year and a half old now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the inspiration behind writing the book is, uh, you know, primarily to help entrepreneurs prevent burnout mm-hmm. and to prevent them from going through what I, what I went through. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how, I've never had a job without having a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds sexy. That sounds great. Like, wow, you're a hard worker, uh, grind. But it literally almost killed me <laughs> because physically my body just started to shut down because I was working so much. And um, I don't know if you know this, Ross, but running a business is stressful. So mm. there's that. And mm-hmm. having a day job is stressful. And then I had a family, a wife and kids. And I was just extremely family is a job, out. too. You had three jobs. <laughs> yes. So just really, really stressed out. And so I had to go through that process of really looking at my life and saying, OK, this is what I have. I've made this bed, taking complete responsibility for the sum total of decisions that I made, you know, um, and, and saying, OK, what's the next step? Visualizing my next you know, move, visualizing myself in a, in a better, more healthy you know, place. And so the book goes through what, what I have as LZisms, ways that you can prevent yourself from getting to that place of burnout 
but at the same time, operating at maximum transformation, right? And I have this whole little um, formula uh, emit where education times motivation times inspiration equals your level of transformation. So I break all that down in, in the book and talk about how, um, you know, through the 14 LZisms, you can achieve that maximum transformation without literally dying. The, the goal is to not die. <laughs> I love that. It's a good goal. So do you think that the burnout kind of helped teach you? It's almost like you don't know the limit until you cross it. So you felt like you, you knew the limit as far as what you could handle in terms of, you know, the, the, not only the work life balance, but like the work business ownership life balance. Um, what was the point where you said, all right, enough's enough. Like this is killing me. That's really an interesting revelation. Yeah, like like I said, when I'm laying there in the hospital bed and the doctor's telling me that, dude, you gotta you gotta do something different, otherwise you're not gonna be here in the next five years. Right. And it was like, okay, um, wh what do you do with that? <laughs> and then you just have to really, um, you have two choices. You could either go down that that path, that direction that you've been going, or you could do something different. Um, I decided to do something different and I wrote a book about, about it to help people not get to that point uh, because we don't have to get to that point. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the values of entrepreneurship with solving problems is you can help other people not go through the same problems that you had. Right. I love that about the human race is like, we can learn from one another and we can kind of relate and connect and uh, you know, if we can teach somebody how to avoid the situations we went through ourselves, I think that's almost an invaluable way to give back and make an impact. Mm. I want to hone in on the idea of self-mastery. Oh, I would say that in the podcasting and the, the personal like self-development space, that word is used a lot and I'm a stickler for definition. So how do you define self-mastery? I define self-mastery as the journey of defining who you are, who you are not, why you are, why you are not, and what you are. Um, to me, you never arrive at mastery. It's always a journey. Um, for example, me mastering me at 40, um, at 42, is not going to be the same at 52 because mm -hmm. my situation is different. My context is different. Um, my maturity level is different. Hopefully um, everything is different. And so my definition is, is constantly being on this journey of discovery and doing the best you can to uh, be as efficient and effective as you can at being your truest, most powerful, transformative self. And I am going to ask you the hard question. Who is Elsie's truest and most powerful self? What yeah, does that What does that look like? Yeah, in a nutshell, I, again, I'm a I'm a I'm a man of faith. I'm a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, and a storyteller. That that's who I am. That's what I what I do. That's who I serve. That's who I help. Right. Um, so at the 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 core, um, I'm a person who who loves other people. Right. Because I'm I'm commanded to do so. And so everything that I am. Um, how I run my business, how I show up on uh, podcasts, right? It, it boils down to those things. That's that's who I am in a nutshell. What are some of the ways you help people to uncover who they are in a nutshell? 
I know you have, I don't want to give the whole book, right? But, you know, for those listening that are kind of wondering, Elsie, that sounds great. I would love to, to, to get self-mastery and go on this journey. Where do I start? What's the first step? Because yeah. you mentioned before, a super important, impactful point. It's like everyone looks at where they are at, where they want to be and thinks sometimes it's daunting or they have imposter syndrome because the gap's so wide and that they may have to take this huge leap. But like, you know, it's a, it's a walk with, with God. It's a walk with faith. It's a walk with whoever, you know, your higher self is step by step by step the whole way. So how do you take the first step? Yeah, I, I wish I could remember who said this saying, but um, um, so if if I, I don't sue me, uh, but there, there's a saying and, and I tease my son all the time is like, son, how do you eat an elephant? Mm. Um, and the short answer is one, one bite at a time. time, one simple bite at a time. So so I, I think the book would help. So that would be a first good step, um, it, it, because I think it gives you the foundational pieces to begin to look at things um, with a different perspective. Uh, one of, uh, of the Elzeisms is, um, you know, understand your genesis, right? And embrace it, even when it's even when it's hard. Um, because some people, myself included, we have beginnings that aren't comfortable, that we don't like to think about, we don't like to talk about, but you have to talk about it, you have to think about it, you have to work through it, because there's residue. And you have to mm. deal with that residue. Right. And it shows up in our work. It shows up in our interactions. It shows up in our lives and until we deal with it and then we can move forward from it. But the first step is to understand that Genesis, right? Where, where you came from, uh, that could be situational. Um, like for me, you know, my mom, dad gets divorced and now we're seven and a half hours away, completely different worlds. You go from the city to the country, um, to a place where you can't play outside to where that's all you do to a place where, you know, everybody to a place where you don't to a place where now you're, you know, in a single parent home and that like, so Two, two completely different paradigms, mm -hmm. right? That's a whole lot of residue, right? The relationship with my dad, like all the stuff. And so my first step was like to deal with that, to reconcile with my dad, to uh, like to, to work through all of the stuff because that impacts how I show up as an entrepreneur. It, it impacts how I'm, how I lead. It impacts how I interact with my wife and my children. So, so to answer your question, um, it, it begins with really unpacking the the things that are holding us back and facing them in a way that's honest and authentic, because unfortunately the person that we lie to the most is ourselves. Mm. Um, so we have, you have to have to have to get honest with yourself. If it sucks, say it sucks, feel it, feel the feels. One of the, the other as a is feel the feels. Like mm -hmm. if you're angry, you're angry. Like don't say that you're not, you're it's angry. It's not good. It's not bad. It is what it is. It is what it is, right? And then, and then, once you put the, the the emotions on the table, now you can deal with them, right? Like how you respond to the anger, right, is important. But you can't respond to it unless it's there. So, so again, it, it's really about taking that first step and being honest with ourselves of of what we got and what steps we need to do um, to to move to the next level. Um, the other thing I'll add in terms of first steps is understanding that you need help. Mm. You know, there's some things that you might need a coach for. There's some things you might need a trainer for. Sometimes you need a therapist. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you need somebody um, to encourage you. Um, coaches can do some of that, but um, a, a good coach is going to identify your blind spots. A good trainer is going to help you um, shore up that blind spot, right? But a, but a mentor is, is a person who, who's been where you 
where you are. So it's important that you have, you know, all of those if you, you need them, but understanding which, which help you need. Which trusted advisors you need at which times. And, exactly. Yep. And, uh, you know, the thing I, I, uh, I love about podcasting and getting these, these longer form conversations is I get the opportunity to challenge and ask tough questions and really unpack things. So my question for you and my challenge to you is how do you deliver what some people may perceive as bad news, but really it's the, the guidance, the questions to dig deeper and challenge the core beliefs. Because one quote I really love is, um, <clears throat> You know, we challenge all of our beliefs except for the ones that we believe in the most. And, to, you know, the formative years growing up, people kind of look at that as a oftentimes I find people look at their their growing up situation, their childhood experience as like fixed. But really, it's like the way that you perceive them and how you behave, like how you learn from them is where the growth happens. So how do you challenge fixed mindset and how do you challenge like the the core beliefs of the people that you help. Yeah. So there are four states of, of mastery. There's unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. In other words, you don't even know that you don't know. <laughs> There's conscious in incompetence. That means, you know, you don't know. There is conscious uh, competence. That means you're aware that you know. And then there's unconscious competency. That means that you do it without even thinking. So step one is, is identifying where they are. Like, is this a person who like, they don't even know what they don't know? Or is it a person at the, the other end of the spectrum? They know that they don't know. They just don't want to um, explore it or don't want to do anything about it. Or are they open to do something about it and they're aware of it, right? So that's the first thing. Because if you have somebody that doesn't know what they don't know, then telling them what they don't know isn't, isn't going to help them because they they don't know that they don't know, um, not, no, nor are they open to learning what they don't know because they don't know. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of being good enough as a coach or um, I, I don't like to call myself a coach. I'm more of a guide. Being a good enough guide where people can come to their own conclusion, almost to the point where it seems like you didn't help but you did because you asked the right questions mm -hmm. and you put them in the right situations where they could uh, become aware of it themselves, if that, if that makes sense. So I think that's the first thing is, is helping people or, or being that uh, in, in storytelling, it's the, uh, it's the guide in the story, you know, and every movie has one where the person who they're not the star of the movie, but they help the star of the movie kind of figure it out on, the, on their own. They don't do it for them. Right. They don't give them the answers to the test. They just kind of ask the right questions and put them in the right situation so that they figure it out. So so to answer your question, that's how that's how I found uh, it to be the most effective is when, you know, we have a conversation or I introduce them to somebody or I connect them to somebody and then they come to that conclusion on their own. And they're like, oh, OK, so I am um, you know, competent in this area and I can do great things. It doesn't have to be, well, LZ did it. I love when it comes from the place of, all right, well, Elsie guided me to this and now I can move to the next level. So to answer your question, it's really about guiding people to it as opposed to me having all the answers and giving people the answers to the test. A couple of thoughts I had. I don't, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm pretty familiar. I don't know if you've seen the Star Wars movies or what, but it's almost like you're not trying to be the Luke Skywalker in someone's story. You're like the Obi-Wan Kenobi 
who's like, hey, let me introduce you to kind of who you really are and what the force is all about. And like, you have all this potential. Let me help, like, you know, introduce you to like making the best use of it. And then that Luke Skywalker might look at, you know, go down the line and be like, oh, shoot, like Darth Vader, who's the supreme evil being is my dad. And it's like, all right, well, let me kind of coach you through. Like, you don't have to be him. You know what I mean? You're not your father. Um, I love I, I love that frame of like the the biggest way to help somebody else is to catch all their fish for them is to teach them how to fish for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, helping them understand, are you do you even want to fish? Like mm. you may not want to fish. You may want to hunt birds. Like yeah. who are you and who are you not? <laughs> right. So you, you may want to catch squirrels. Everybody doesn't have to fish. It's that, you know, there's other ways to, to get meat. So really, again, helping guide people to that, that place where they know who they are, they know who they are not. Um, and so that makes you so dangerous and that makes you so powerful because you don't have to worry about the fish. And I can help guide other people to the fish. Frost, you like the fish? There's a fishing pond right over there. I'm going to go hunt squirrels because that's what I do. Mm. Like knowing that is so important to your journey. Let me ask you, who are you not? You did a great job of telling me who you were. Yeah. I, I'm, I love this frame where it's like, you know, sometimes with goal setting, you think about what it is you want and all the things you have to positively do in order to get there. But sometimes it's looking at the things that you really don't want and looking at the things you cannot, that if you do, it's, it'll surely get you to where you don't want to be. Exactly. So like for people with, with marriages, most of the time you don't get married with the intention to get divorced. So it's like, all right, what things will cause divorce? Like how, like who, who do you not want to be LZ? And like, what do you make sure you don't do? Mm-hmm. I, I would say who I am not is I am not a, a grandiose look at me, brag, braggadocious, prideful, arrogant person. And I don't like that whole vibe, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love humility. I love collaboration. I love competition done in the right way. Um, but I am not a person who is going to say, hey, look at me. I'm so awesome. I'm the best at this. I'm the greatest. Because I think that when you're the greatest, you don't have to say you're the greatest. Mm-hmm. And if you're really having an impact, you don't have to say that you're having an impact. And so I am not a uh, a, a glory seeking, um, you know, uh, money seeking, um, you know, entrepreneur person. I, I really um, am striving to be a servant um, and to be a person who who adds value to everybody that I come in contact with, and, and not. Um, a person that is seeking to to gain, but is seeking to give. Reminds me of an interview with Kobe Bryant during one of their uh, championship runs. They go up in the series reporter asks Kobe, Hey, how do you feel? He says, what do you mean? Like, Oh, you played a great game. You guys won. He goes, job's not finished. You know, next question. Like, I don't feel anything about myself. The job is not finished. I'm not yet undeniably the greatest of all time. Sure, I won a couple of championships years ago. We also lost. So I love that Mamba mentality because I look at people like that and it's like their acts, their actions are not to gain some worldly possession. It's their actions are to give, to empty the tank and give as much as you can give 
to the benefit of others, whether that's people in the stands, whether that's his daughters, whether that's, you know, his own legacy, whether that's showing what mastery can look like to the best of his ability. I think the distinction between, you know, you are a man of faith, but I think that what you said to sum it up is like, you're not a man of, of the world or of worldly of, you know, like, um, how do I say this? Extrinsic rewards, like the, the accolades, the, the, the money, the fame, the fortune, if that happens, okay, how can I use these as tools to serve others? If it doesn't happen, don't really care because that's not my goal anyway. Would that be an accurate kind of a, you know, reflection point what you're saying? Yeah. Almost to a fault sometimes, right? Because I, in in the world that I'm that I'm in, right? Marketing and uh, you know, entrepreneurship, those things matter to people, right? You know, how many magazine covers you get on and how many awards you win and that stuff matters to people. And so there's this this weird balance of, okay, I know it matters, but I'm always checking my ego and making sure that it doesn't matter to me. Um, understanding that it's part of the business, it's part of, you know, this, this entrepreneurial uh, world, but making sure that I'm constantly checking myself to make sure that I don't get off center um, from who I am. And so it's a, it's a really good way to, to measure. Sometimes I do well at it, sometimes not so much. But, but again, until you know that about yourself, right? I, I tend to have a, an addictive personality. I know that about myself. And so I don't drink because I know I'm not going to do I'm not going to drink just what one good. Drink. What good will that bring? You know what I mean? Or I, because I know I'm not going to drink just one drink because mm -hmm. I go hard. I go like I only have two gears. <laughs> it's either go or it's no go. And so I know <laughs> that about myself. I don't gamble, not mm -hmm. because I'm better than anybody. It's because I know I can't stop when I start. Right. And so, again, knowing who I am. It, it, it helps guide me because I know I have no business doing those habits because I know that it would destroy me. And so I, I so I stay away from it again, not because not of a, a place of strength, but out of a place of really knowing who I am and knowing what my weaknesses are. Man, I can I can relate to you on the the, you know, always battling with your vices and virtues and understanding that every adjective taken to either extreme is a bad thing but with temperance you know right in the middle that that golden medium um that's that's where people can can really provide the most enrichment to their own lives and others but like when you talk about things like the gambling and the drinking i've met some people that are masters at having one drink and you know they'll have the appropriate amount of diet that day and they'll get the appropriate amount of sleep and they'll pay attention to their wife after they have one drink um, I've met people that can gamble and they only gamble X amount per year. And if they win great, if they lose, they don't go anywhere below that number. Mm -hmm. Um, for people like, like you're describing as, as, as yourself, do you just find other things to focus on in a replacement methodology? In other words, do you just, you know, instead of the getting the, the dopamine or that, that rush from the gambling and the drinking, do you just then figure out, okay, I know who I am, who I'm not. Then you focus on the activities as a replacement to, to keep that at bay and, and, and on go towards self mastery. How, what is the, the strategy you take to say on the right path of self mastery? Yeah. So let me, let me answer that by starting um, to talk through the dimensions of mastery. So there, there's five dimensions, there's physical, emotional, 
spiritual, mental, and social. So the first thing is really understanding which dimension you're you're working on. Um, the other thing to, to note is there are phases and levels to mastery as well. Um, when you are in the, the beginning phase, it it is a constant battle. It's like, man, I, I really want to go out on Friday night and and have a drink with the with the guys. But once you go to the point where you've gone um, a certain amount of time and you've developed a habit and you've had you've had mechanisms that help, you know, help guide you. You kind of move to the next phase where it's not as uh, strong of a desire anymore. Like uh, mm. today, I don't I don't struggle with wanting to drink just because I it's been so long and I've, I, I have come accustomed to um, to not. So if um, if I run across the opportunities like it doesn't it doesn't tempt me at, at all. But that comes through time, right? Through mm-hmm. practice and through habit and through repetitions and repetitions. Like you got to get the reps in. Um, and, and for me, it, it comes with focus and intention and really um, practicing uh, mindfulness and understanding, okay, if this is a vice for me right now, how do I, how do I put myself in a position where I don't fall to it? Right. You could think of of of, you know, uh, certain ways that I'll show up with with um, the opposite gender. There are certain things that I just don't do. Um, you, you won't find me riding in a car with a woman that's not my wife. I just don't do it. Um, I'm not alone with the, uh, the the person of the opposite. I just don't do it that way. There, there's there's not if you're not in the situation for yeah. So, so just things like that, just, and again, but on the other hand, LZ, you do try to get in the room with as many business owners as you can on podcast. Exactly. It's like, which opera, like, it's like, if you put yourself in the context, in the environment of where you think better opportunities will arise enough times, the eventuality, it just makes sense that you're going to start to get the results you want. Now, you know, you might have the most self-discipline and willpower, but if you're in a, you know, in a room with a woman that's not your wife a million times, though, it's, you know, it's never always a hundred percent or zero percent. Right. But well, if you're I, never I, in those rooms. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that, again, Ross, the key is understanding you for, for somebody else. They have no issue. You could put um, 10 bottles of alcohol in front of them and they would not touch it. But to some people that would be disastrous. You, you have to know who you are specifically for you and and being able to celebrate people for who they are, but still celebrating you for who you are at the same time. Now, I want to ask a more tactical question real quick when it comes to business. I think for self-mastery and in that, in that spiritual sense and that personal development, I totally vibe and I can, I, I can see, I can feel, but when it comes to business owner, it's almost like some business owners look at their life and their business as two separate entities. And for me in trying to get on my journey for self-mastery, it's like, I understand how interwoven my life is between my business, my life. Like if I have something going on at home, it affects my business. If things are going strong for me at home, I'm a stronger business person. And just as easy examples. So how do you tactically specifically for business take that mastery approach? I think that I, I kind of take the the house approach, right? So if you look at a house, mm-hmm. you um, our house the way it's laid out. You walk in, there's the the you know the, the vestibule and where all of the you know the coats and the closets and things like that. 
Then there's the living room. There's the kitchen. There's the downstairs. There's the basement. Then there's the office. Each room has its own place, its own perspective, and its own um, uh, um, approach. And different things have different places in different rooms. Probably shouldn't try to cook an egg in the bathroom. <laughs> it's not set up for that, right? right. It's it's yeah. structured so that you take a bath, you know, about uh, you know, bio breaks and things like that. And so the way I do it is, you know, when I'm at home, I'm at home. Period. When I'm at work, I'm at work. And I'm I live in the moment. One of the other Elsieisms is is you know embrace the moment. Right now, I'm on a podcast with Ross having a great conversation. So that's where my mind is. That's where my I'm my I'm present in the moment. And when I'm not in the moment, I'm not in the moment. And I and and I'm in the next moment. So that that's helped me knowing that to your point, I'm gonna take my same self in both places. That's why it's so important to to be honed in and tuned in on on who on who you are, knowing your cues. Like I know if I don't exercise after two days, my body starts to tell me, hey, man, you you need to exercise. <laughs> it's been a couple of days. Like I, I feel it because it feels mm. off. Or if I haven't, um, you know. That's where listening comes in. Listening. You have to listen to yourself and, and your body because you're you communicate to yourself. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone on a date with my with my wife in a while. My, something something's off. And I, you know, and I and I sense it. So it's, it's getting good. And, and again, it's a, it's a journey. And the more you practice it, the better you get at knowing the cues and, and listening to the cues. Uh, the key is to to put it, putting these things into practice and to being and being aware and sensitive um, to, to understanding when something's off, where it's off. If it's at home, if it's at work, where where's the where's the the dissonance, identifying it and then acting on it consistent consistently. To that point, you know, I'll tell you that right now when I walk in the house, the the playroom, the dining room, the kitchen, the living room are all pretty clean. But boy, don't ask me how my laundry's doing. You know what I mean? And and but to your point, it's like, all right, well, you know, address one room at a time and understand. Like I I think to another point when it comes to business mastery, when I talk to clients so often, they're their bodies, their, their sense of their senses are telling them they need, they should be doing something like, or they're telling them they're, they're not on the right track. But oftentimes as a fractional CMO, part of my job is to reassure them that, yeah, like I'm seeing that too. You know, you can't read the label from inside the bottle, but you know, the contents because you're inside the bottle. So to, to your point, you know, I want to give an, an actionable thing to, I, I have listeners that are athletes, some own businesses, some do not. Some of my listeners are not athletes. They're, you know, they're active in the community. They're a lot of it's entrepreneurial, hmm. but like from a tactical standpoint to get the self mastery in your business, you know, I want to hear one, one LZ ism to say, Hey, for, for quarter one, 2024, you know, what is, what is one business mastery tactic that you'll be doing LZ for quarter one, 2024, you know, based on the principles we've discussed and the concepts. Yep. So if you're listening to this, watching this, I want you to take out a sheet of paper. Um, I prefer you do it on on real paper or, or, or remarkable, something that you can physically write on. And I want you to write two columns. I want you to write what you want and what you do not want. 
And I want you to talk, take a, 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 a line, draw it under that and put one action step to get you to the, to, to the next step or the next level um, of your, of your career uh, and of your business, just one. And every single day, I want you to write down three actions, three tasks that you're going to do to get you to that place. And then rinse and repeat um, all the things that you have on that list. The only thing, the only reason I want you to even look at the other list is as a guiding post so that you don't accept or have yeses to the things that are on, on that line. Don't do any of those things. If an opportunity comes and it's on that list, don't do it. It's a no. Get, get good at saying no to, to those things you have written down and then do those three things that you put to that one task. So the, the first thing that you have on your list that you want, do that every single day for the for this quarter and then check back in with Ross and tell him how awesome that goal ha has turned out. I love that, man. Whew. I have nothing that can top that that last takeaway. That was it spot on. It applies to everyone listening, business or not. Elsie, where can people find you? How can they get in touch? You know, listen to your podcast, read your book. Where, where do people connect with you online? Yeah, the easiest way is LinkedIn. Um, if you connect with me, follow me there and um, make sure you hit the bell, uh, the notification bell. Um, and then the other way is, is through email. So mayor, M-A-Y-O-R at um, pod, podcasttown.net. So mayor at podcasttown.net. Thank you so much for your time. It was truly a pleasure talking about self-mastery. You know, we, we tackled some hard concepts. Everyone else listening, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Thunderstock Show. Please, if you found value from listening to Elsie the Mayor and Ross discuss mastery, share it with a friend. I don't run ads on the show. The only way it grows is through word of mouth and referrals. So like I said, you know, I want to create an impact and help others. And if you could take that 10 seconds to help me help others mean the world. Thank you so much.